The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Woo, we got ourselves a show. I'm, I'm trying to change my approach this week on the show because I think it's going to be a fun show. So I'm trying to let loose a little bit. I, I don't want to be as stuffy this week with the dress code. So in prior shows, I normally go with the very stuffy, very la-di-da, zipped-up, full-zip sweater. And I figured this week we'd kick back, relax with our fun guests and our fun topics this week. That's right, we have unzipped the full-zipped sweater this week. We are, we're letting loose, viewers and listeners. It's going to be quite a little program for many reasons, not the least of which we are joined by a fabulous co-host, one of our favorites, artist, coach, podcaster, Katie Zaccardi joining us. Hey, Katie. Hello, hello, hello. Three hellos and uh, hello, hello, hello right back to you. So excited to, to see you. I feel like every time I see you, it's always a few weeks and I just I feel like it's been so long every time. I have so many things to talk to you about. Uh, I want to get so much free advice from you on my TikTok profile. <laughs> and that's really but what this whole this whole show, Katie, I don't know, like I've, going back seven years, this has all just been an elaborate ruse to get you to come on this program once every four weeks and I can get free advice from you on my TikTok account. That's the whole game. I knew it the yeah, whole time. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here, and I will do whatever you want, Ryan. I'm glad you're glad you you picked a good week because we got lots of cool topics. I'm thrilled for our guests. We were talking to them, uh, Katie, in the pre-show, and I think we were all having a good time. The guests, uh, Raina Ayers and Wendy Clay Alfredson of the Colorado-based indie rock band Dear Marsha. We only talked to them for a few minutes, but you already get the vibe from them that we're going to have a pretty cool interview. Yeah, I am really excited to talk to them more because <laughs> I yeah. think it's going to be fun. And we're going to hear music, which I love when we, yes. when we actually hear music on the show. I love it when the, we certainly love the the music entrepreneurs and the industry experts and the pundits who join us. But when we can get just some straight up musicians who play for us on the show, it's always a treat. It's great to give them a chance to play on Sirius XM radio and, of course, to play for us and brighten our days. It's truly magical but i'm telling you uh reyna and wendy I, I just know it from like the 45 seconds we talk to them i know i always know right away if this is this going to be a guest who's going to get the show and get <laughs> what we're about not take things too seriously and just have a good time and share some great insights with our viewers and listeners and i feel like that's what we got this week 100 percent. Yeah, yeah i agree all right well we're gonna we got them coming up a little bit later in the show after the commercial break before that, though, got some pretty wild stories. As always, we want to start things off with the AI Overlord Tip of the Week. Speaking 
of great music that we hear on this show, that song every week is a banger that delivers. I hear regularly emails, tweets from people saying, I love the AI Overlord song. Every like I even had one person tell me, I've been going around the house just like screaming, AI Overlord tip of the week. <laughs> and nobody in my house knows what the hell I'm talking about. It's a and banger. I'm like, yeah, we got another one. That's great. Yes. <laughs> that's what we want is we want to get earworms stuck in your head that only you know because you listen to this show and everybody else in your house doesn't and they think you're a crazy person. That is that is our mission around here. As many of you know, who've been checking out the program lately, we have kind of changed up the AI overlords task a little bit. We for the last few weeks, we've had it give us we've had Chad GPT just give us some random tips and advice for the indie creators. And it did a fine job with that, but we wanted to raise the difficulty level. <laughs> and so for the last couple weeks, we've been telling the AI overlord that we want you to give us advice for indie creators, but you have to shoehorn in random movie quotes as part of your AI overlord answer. So last week we had <laughs> the AI overlord uh, bring They had to it, it get a movie note. Oh yes, it, right. It had it, it had to supply a movie note from the from Elisa Rockdoc's favorite movie, The Room, uh, mm. the Tommy Wiseau masterpiece. I put it in quotes. And for this show, I had uh, Katie Zaccardi tell us what one of her favorite movies was, so that we could have the AI overlord give some advice with a quote from that movie. Katie supplied us with one of her favorite films and one that definitely speaks to the. A teenage theater dork phase of my life, which is Moulin Rouge. This movie came out when I was 16 years old, right at the peak of my theater nerd dorkdom of high school. Like this movie could not have come at a more opportune time of where I was in life. This just completely ostentatious, you know, super over the top musical production movie that this thing was. And I found out from researching this, like I got to remind myself all over again, Katie, how amazingly quotable this movie was. I got to go back and just, I, I went in like a two hour rabbit hole last night of just watching a bunch of YouTube videos, reminding myself of how delightful <laughs> the movie is and how quotable it is. I love that movie. And I also saw the Broadway show right before I moved to Nashville. When I tell you, I would see that every night of my life. Like it was so good. So I'm really curious to see what's about to pop out <laughs> oh also every time you say chat i know you're saying chat but it sounds like you're saying chad and so i just keep being like yeah let's see what chad has to say you know i'm i'm not above just going ahead and naming this thing we can just call <laughs> yeah. him chad it's chad yeah what do you gotta say chad um all right so <laughs> The, this movie was so quotable, Katie, I couldn't just have it do one piece of advice because I was as I was okay. scrolling through the quotes of this movie, I was like, there's so many bangers here. I'm going to have Chad give us two pieces of advice. <laughs> so the first one, you're going to recognize this quote from Moulin Rouge right away, Katie. Here's the first tip of the week. As independent creators, it's essential to connect with others and foster a supportive network for the greatest thing you will ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. In your creative journey, don't forget to surround yourself with people who appreciate your work and share your passion. Show love and support to fellow creators by engaging with their content, providing constructive feedback, and collaborating on projects. In turn, you'll find that this positive energy will flow back to you, helping you grow and succeed in your creative endeavors. Remember, 
Love and support are crucial currencies in the world of independent creators. So invest in them generously to nurture a thriving creative community. <laughs> That's no. actually insane. And I don't know why it's so funny, but oh my God. Now, before I get your oh actual God. insight on that, uh, really what I think is a very impressive piece of advice from chat GPT, I want to give you a, the second tip with another quote from this movie, because I got silly with this second one, because I was like, there's no way it's going to be able to make a piece of advice out of this quote. Yeah. And yet it did. So you're, you're going to identify the quote from Moulin Rouge pretty quick as you listen to this, Katie. So here's the second tip. As an independent creator, it's crucial to recognize your value beyond just the monetary aspect. Don't let your self-worth be dictated by how much you earn or how many fans you have. Your creativity, unique perspective, and dedication to your craft are invaluable qualities that define your worth. It's time to break free from the mindset of measuring your worth by external validation alone. Have the strength to say to the industry, I can't do it. Have the strength to say to the industry, I don't need you anymore. All my life, you made me believe I was only worth what someone would pay for me. <laughs> to foster a sense of healthy self-worth, try the following. Reflect on your growth and accomplishments. Surround yourself with positive, supportive people who recognize your talent and potential. Don't be afraid to say no to projects or clients that don't align with your values. And continuously hone your skills and invest in yourself. To maintain a strong sense of purpose and direction. Remember, you oh. are worth more than just a price tag. Embrace your worth and let it fuel your creativity and passion. Come what may. Come what may. I, I added that at the end. Okay. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's so funny because it's, like, not that funny. Like, it's actually just so good. But also, <laughs> like, you have this one one moment that sounds, like, so, so serious. <laughs> With the quote, oh my God. I find it every time I come on here, but that chat is coming for my job. <laughs> and that is hilarious. I just, I just love how, I love how, like, okay. You know what this, this is? It really just shows me how you can make a story or a tip or like content out of anything like we were like take this random moulin rouge quote about a, about a woman who performs at the moulin rouge in a burlesque show and is like getting paid to do things with men and make it a quote about the music industry and then they did it seamlessly like that it's like you have no excuses if you're listening to this <laughs> you have no excuses you can find a way to make content and i know you can satine might be one of the most important voices in the entertainment industry right now um yeah she's saying know your worth honey and i love that for her like who would have thought oh my god oh. i that is literally i can't I can't do it. Like if I think about it too hard, I'm just gonna die of laughter. But, but I mean, it's kind Ooh, of scary you... to me that notwithstanding the silliness of that quote, like you've been saying that exact thing for years. You preach self-care. You preach, you know, artists, you know, looking out for themselves first, looking out for their own needs, not defining themselves by, you know, the external measures. And yeah. 
you know, I just uh, I was I was like, let me find the silliest, most like dramatic movie quote in the silliest, most dramatic movie I know. And I was like, there's no way it's going to be able to give us a, a incredible piece of advice. And yet here we are. The, I'm sorry. The first one just like dropping in the second sentence, like after all, the greatest thing you'll ever learn. It's like, OK, deep, like, OK, but but also again you're right i have been saying these things and this is where i really feel like this is almost a good content exercise is like pull random quotes and then just like try to make it work because i'm on i was listening to that honestly thinking to myself if ryan gave me this quote could i do what chad just did and i don't think i could but i will not let this bot out smart me so now I'm, he's, he has it coming. I'm, I'm going to try to do this. <laughs> well, I love how you've already genderized the, uh, the AI overlord, like naturally, That's, because yeah, it's because be, naturally, because this thing is stealing your ideas and taking credit for him. You've already assumed it's, yeah. it's a man. It's a man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no girl would do this to me. Like <laughs> women supporting women. It's gotta be a guy. <laughs> Oh my god! I almost couldn't get the quote out from the second one because I of know. Like how crazy! Oh it was. my gosh! <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna right. go rewatch Moulin Rouge. So oh, I think I want to also. I forget <laughs> how much I adored that movie when I was when I was 16 years old. Um, so let me let me go ahead and uh, just uh, move on to some entertainment law news this week. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. The law story that I have this week, Katie, has actually been brought to us by a non-lawyer who is a real friend of our podcast, gone back a long time. Uh, her name is uh, Lazoo. We know her as Sherry Lynn Lee around here. She's been on the show before. She makes great music. She's a host of a, a terrific podcast called Nuances, which explores uh, Asian uh, diaspora indie creators. Really, really terrific stuff. And she had a really cool insight about the new Miley Cyrus song flowers that I thought was a pretty interesting legal question that I think could ha have some bearing on indie creators. Are you familiar with this song? It's number two on the charts. Now Miley is taken over the world with this. Indeed I am. And have you noticed hearing through the news or just from hearing the song that it has some similarity to a Bruno Mars song? Yes. And I've also heard it being compared to I will survive. Does it formally sample that? I can't remember. I don't I don't know if it formally samples any song, but now I have to go back and listen to I Will Survive again um, to, to, to identify that one. But yeah, what what Lazu was talking about, as uh, lots of folks have been talking about, is how the song seems to, you know, well, whether intentionally or not, borrow some from some elements of the Bruno Mars song "When I Was Your Man." Right? That's yeah. the lyrics of that song. You know, he's singing to the the woman he lost. I should have bought you flowers. I should have held your hand. Uh, you know, gave you all my hours when I had the chance. Uh, take it every party when all you wanted to do was dance. Right? I think I nailed it all. Look at me. Bruno um, yeah, Mars that was fan. actually impressive. Woo! <laughs> um, and so the. And that's the chorus of the Bruno Mars song. And so the Miley Cyrus song seems to borrow from elements of that song where she's but but from the other kind of perspective, she's singing from the perspective of the woman who has left her man behind 
and you know has found her self-worth much how uh, chat gpt would uh, recommend that we do you know not measure ourselves by external validation but in that song miley cyrus sings i can buy myself flowers i can yeah. hold my own hand you know i can take myself dancing mm -hmm. and and so it sounds like she's kind of addressing pieces of that song and so a lot of people have been asking well can she do that is there a yeah. potential copyright issue there does i mean especially with what we've been seeing lately with olivia rodrigo and going back to the blurred lines case with robin mm. thick and how litigious everything is lately with copyright law mm -hmm. is miley in some kind of trouble and i and i've heard that story before but lazoo to her credit and i don't know if other people have talked about this so i do want to give her credit for this she actually identified another piece of that song that was similar to the bruno mars song that a lot of people aren't talking about, which is not the lyrics of the song, but the melody of her song uh -oh. and how the melody of Flowers sounds like the melody of the verse of When I Was Your Man. So Flowers... The chorus of Flowers sounds like the verse of When I Was Your Man? Or that's right. Okay. So, the I mean, here we go. Ryan's about to sing poorly here, but Flowers... I can buy myself flowers. I can hold my own hand. And then the Bruno Mars verse is ba na 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so like, as far as I know, Lazu's the only one I've heard who actually like kind of picked up on that. But does that create an additional copyright wrinkle for her that now that there's these two similarities in the song now there hasn't been any yeah. report that bruno mars has any intention of kind of making this a problem for her the only people that have brought it up are you know nerd lawyers like me people on twitter and just you know generally people who seem to just kind of want to be rabble rousers and i don't know take mm. money out of miley cyrus's pocket but yeah. at least not publicly bruno mars hasn't made any suggestion that this is an issue for him there hasn't been any news about Miley Cyrus adding Bruno Mars as a co-writer on the song or something like that. But it certainly brought a lot of attention. These two similarities are similar enough that people are picking up on them. And yeah. I would say in a normal, rational legal environment, we shouldn't care about this. Like we should say, okay, fine, there's some inspiration interpolation there, but it doesn't rise to the level of copyright infringement. We need to leave artists alone. Everything builds off of the stuff that came before. If we were able to see further, it's because we stood on the shoulders of giants, yada, yada, yada. But yeah. we don't live in that world. We live in the hyper litigious world where if you like have more than three notes that are similar to somebody else's three notes, we're all going to make a federal case out of it, literally. Yeah. And, and so this kind of thing scares me. Um, but do you want to hear my extra little wrinkle on this? Um, Obviously. Yeah. So... Because, you know, Lazu did such a nice job of identifying that pretty interesting legal wrinkle. Here's another one I'd like to add to the discussion. Let's say Bruno Mars decides to get a little, uh, his, his litigation finger gets a little itchy and decides he wants to kind of make this a bigger deal than it should be. I contend that, you know, because a lot of people would argue that if that were to happen, then Miley Cyrus needs to argue um, I didn't copy his song. That's just a coincidence. Uh, there's so much of that song that it is not like his song. There's no similarity. And what I mm -hmm. might recommend as a strategy, if I were advising Miley, is I'd go the other direction. I would lean into it. I would say, yeah. yes, I was inspired by that song. And I was engaging in fair use. 
Yeah, you know, without thinking of it from a legal perspective, I was basically thinking the same thing. I feel like if, first of all, something tells me Bruno Mars does not care at He all. seems like a child. <laughs> like, I don't think he's going to care. I don't think he does care. But I feel like the general public would basically not even think about it if she had just said yeah this is inspired by that song like because it is giving i listened to when i was your man on repeat for three days straight when i was depressed and then <laughs> the next day i wrote a song and like i thought it was completely original but actually i was basically just like rewriting that song that i had just listened to over and over again you know what i mean yeah well, but, and, and, that, and by the way, that's how a lot of these kind of copyright issues happen, right? Most yeah. of them are accidental. People never set out to go, I'm going to rip off somebody's song. Yeah. Things get stuck in your head. Things get stuck into your subconscious. Some song that you listened to when you were a child that you completely forgot about finds its way onto a paper. And unfortunately, yeah. since copyright is a strict liability offense, intent doesn't matter. Even if you don't intend to infringe, if you yeah. infringe, you've infringed. But I think that that's why it's like, becoming an issue because she's not saying that it was intentional. I think it was intentional though, but I yeah. think because she's not saying it, like, I think if she would just say it, it would ease everyone's <laughs> mind and just, and legally, as you're saying, it would, it would make sense. But here's why I think it was intentional because I heard a rumor, just a rumor, but I heard a rumor that it was like her and Liam's like, wedding song or something weird like that which is like a terrible wedding song. weird but, choice in wedding song super weird but i mean you know they had like a past so i heard a rumor that and, and i could be getting this wrong but essentially there was some history there like they had some history with that song and so therefore her doing this is a very direct interpretation of or you know sort of like comeback using the song specifically, like it is referenced. Now that rumor could be completely made up, but it is, there are too many coincidences that it's like, this couldn't, I doubt that this is just like, oh, I woke up with the melody in my head and I thought it was original, but actually I was like listening to this record last week. Like and, it's definitely giving, I did this on purpose. <laughs> and she's just happening to sing about the exact same things that Bruno Mars was singing about in the chorus of his song, buying yeah. flowers, holding hands, uh, dancing. But you know, yeah, like if she were to lean into it, there is a potential fair use avenue. And generally, as a lawyer, I try to scare artists away from ever trying to argue fair use. I tell artists that fair use is not the boat that that gets you to where you want to go. It is the yeah. life preserver that you grab onto if there's nothing else to grab onto because the boat is sinking. <laughs> it's, you know, it because it's a very hard doctrine to argue. It's often an expensive doctrine to argue because you got to hire a lawyer to argue it. And you don't get to use fair use until after you've been sued. So you generally want to avoid an infringement in the first place. But if you're already in that boat, let's say Bruno Mars decides to sue her and you need a life preserver, I think she has an interesting fair use argument. The yeah. fair use law specifically contemplates things like commenting on a work, on a pre-existing work, or doing a parody of a pre-existing work. So if she's saying, I wrote this song that is directly commenting on the message of Bruno Mars' song. Bruno Mars' mm -hmm. song is kind of talking about how I need somebody else and I need this other person and I should have been with, you know, I should have been better than when I had a chance. And she's saying, no, 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 you need to take care of yourself. 
That's yeah. the true message. You need to love yourself before you can effectively love others. And so her lyrics are kind of making fun of his lyrics to some extent or kind of ribbing him for his interpretation. And yeah. if so, I think that's a decent fair use claim if she were to have to make one. And boy, that'd be a fun case to argue. Yeah. So basically, none of this really matters unless Bruno Mars decides to sue her. Is and again, correct? he seems like a super chill dude. Yeah. So everyone's just <laughs> talky, talky, talking. And we'll see what happens, I guess. But this is what lawyers do. Like, we, oh, yeah. but, we well, love I mean the this internet. kind of stuff. I mean the internet more so. Like, obviously, you should talk about this. It's very educational. But I just mean, like, the internet's going crazy about, like, oh, she copied him, but she 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 could get away with it. She could totally get away with whatever, wh however this would actually be interpreted. It doesn't have any consequences unless Bruno Mars sues her. Well, it could make for a very interesting paper for any law students out there looking to write a student note, yeah. uh, something to look into. But I mean, it, it like it is possible, like while we might say, oh, this doesn't matter because nobody sued anybody. We don't mm -hmm. know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. Like when when Taylor Swift. Sorry. No. When um, Haley Williams was added as a co-writer to Good For You by I'm Olivia Rodrigo. You know, Haley Williams didn't make any public statements saying, oh, that girl stole my song. Right. It was all very cordial. There weren't any public statements. But yeah. somebody just doesn't just end up a co-writer overnight for no reason. There must have been something going on behind the scenes that wasn't made public where lawyers were yelling at each other. So we don't know if that's happening here. Right. There may be somebody from Bruno Mars's camp talking to somebody from Miley Cyrus's camp being like, hey, we're not going to make a public spectacle of this. But we think we have a case here. And so if I'm in Miley Cyrus's camp, I might try to say some of this fair use stuff to that lawyer because maybe it makes them go away. Or maybe if we wind up having to settle, maybe mm -hmm. make making Bruno Mars a co-writer on the song, we may not have to give up as much as we otherwise would have because we have a decent legal argument. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that stuff can matter uh, <laughs> for more than just silly arguments on Twitter. And I'll tell you what. Yeah, I will be less disappointed if Bruno Mars ends up as a co-writer on this song because that makes so much more sense than everything that happened on Olivia Rodrigo's album. And I'm still mad about all of that. <laughs> all of it. That's <laughs> still uh, that one's still this one's still eating at you. It stings because it's just like ugh, a bunch of stupid Gen Z bullied this into happening and I don't think it I don't think it was really necessary. Do you think it was necessary? I generally I I tend to subscribe to the view that I don't like any of these kind of cases. I don't like what happened to Robin Thicke in the blurred lines case. I don't like these lawsuits that Ed Sheeran keeps getting hit with. I don't like uh, what happened to Olivia Rodrigo. I generally think that art and the law are better served by giving the next generation of artists some creative breathing room to be inspired by the stuff that came before. Now, obviously, if you are ripping off like 90% of a song or you are just flat out stealing somebody's music, you know, the law needs to come down on you there. But if you're just kind of being inspired by the work that came before, if you're taking the grooves, the styles, the chord progressions, maybe a, a couple lyrics or two, yeah. that's we don't want the law to get involved there because all that does is it stifles creativity and it hurts the next generation of art. 
Yeah. And it felt like for a while we were inching towards vibes. This vibe is similar to that vibe. It's like, that is not grounds for me to make you a co-writer on my song just because the vibe is similar, which is, that's why I'm so mad about the Olivia Rodrigo thing because I'm like, show me where the notes are repeating over and over and over again. Show me where the lyrics are pulled directly. Like that is not happening. It's vibes. It's literally just vibes that people were mad about. And I'm like, we can't go there. We cannot get to a point where vibes is enough to say, oh, I'm going to sue you. Because then what even is art? Like, there's only so much, you know, different things we can make. And we're trying out here. Don't stifle that creativity. You articulated that so well. That's what we have right now. We have music copyright by vibes. Literally. The... Like when you, you know the, the the blurred line song with, with uh you know when when Robin Thicke's song you know with Marvin Gaye, that was just vibes. That was yeah. a groove. Like you can't point to a sequence of notes, a you know a melody. You're, it's just kind of oh, it makes me feel the same. It, like yeah. I, I get the, it, it, it. It evokes similar. a prior it feels song. Similar. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Which by the way, like if you know if you are somebody who's into music enough, like you can find that everywhere. Like, and I'll tell you, know. you what the vibe of the vibe of the Olivia Rodrigo thing versus and if you're confused because we've talked about this like four times before so we're just not giving context but <laughs> people were comparing Good for You by Olivia Rodrigo to uh, Misery, Misery Business, Business by Paramore yeah. and the vibe the reason people did it was just because ah! <laughs> high enthusiastic <laughs> singing the notes were not the same. It wasn't in the same key. No words were copied, but the vibe was just like, yeah. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> they should have like, brought you in as an expert witness. <laughs> I could explain it so fast that that this was unnecessary. But I don't know. I feel I feel also I think I feel like protective over Olivia Rodrigo, which I don't know why she's way more success and money than me. But like she's young. She's young and people were just like you need to give this credit and you copied everything and i feel like she maybe felt bullied to just be like whatever just like do it so people don't hate me and so i don't get canceled and so that there's no trouble you know what i mean and i'm like i wish that she would have just like not i don't know if that was an option but i just wish that she would have put up more of a fight it's not an option anymore post blurred lines once Mm. that blurred lines verdict came down and you know, we're talking a massive seven-figure judgment. It sent shockwaves throughout the industry. Everybody's afraid of being the next Robin Thicke. And so you will give anything. You'll give songwriting credit. You will m- make cash payments. You'll send royalties over. You'll do whatever you have to do so that you don't get hit next with, with hit with the next seven or eight-figure judgment that derails your career, especially when you're just starting out as an artist. Because, yeah... Olivia Rodrigo is famous, but she's still on her first record deal. And so she may not be as fabulously wealthy as we think a lot of artists are, because a lot when a lot of artists are on their record deals, that first record deal sucks. And a seven-figure judgment could take a massive bite out of her bottom line. So yeah, you almost always settle now in the post-blurred lines world. Well, I'm glad you were talking about vibes earlier, Katie, because I think the, the world of copyright by vibes is bad vibes. We need good vibes. And we got some good vibes coming up right after the break. We're going to be joined by uh, Raina Ayers and Wendy Clay Alfredson of Dear Marsha 
right after the break here on Break the Business. Don't go anywhere. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Carella joined by Katie Zaccardi here. There are so many places where you could be checking out this show, probably too many, but we're not complaining. Uh, whether it is on the live streaming platforms, the podcasting platforms, or on our satellite radio home on Sirius XM 145, wherever you're checking us out, we're so glad that you are. Thank you for enjoying the show, and thank you for telling a friend and so we can grow this little community. Uh, Katie, I'm excited for our guests this week. Let's go ahead and bring them out here. They are the members of the band Dear Marsha, a Colorado-based indie rock group whose brand-new album, Notes from the Tip Jar, is available on all music platforms, and they'll be performing at the second annual Women Who Rock the Rockies event in June. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.dearmarsha.rocks. We are happy to welcome Raina Ayers and Wendy Clay Alfredson on to Break the Business. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. So thrilled to have you. God, you both look so cool with the instruments behind you and... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all it's all an elaborate green screen uh like, wendy's cool super cool bow tie <laughs> yeah. um i got so many questions for you about the new album about uh, women who rock the rockies but first i, I want to learn a little bit more about the background of, of you two so i, I want to ask reina first I read that you started out as an opera singer, which comes as a massive shock to me because when I listen to your album, I don't immediately get opera. Okay. Uh, how did you make that transition? Well, I, I went directly into college. And, you know, when you want to major in music as a singer and you don't want to go into education or uh, there's not a lot that you can do. Um, they put you into opera. So I did that, um, did a couple of operas while I was in college. And um, when my 
singing instructor found out that I was going out and smoking and drinking. <laughs> it was like an easy switch to go, well, okay, I'll go from opera to rock and roll. So here we are. Wow. Yeah. And um, so right, I'm hearing you guys with a lot of reverb. And by the way, if you want to do that for the rest of the interview, it's perfectly fine because it sounds awesome. But I don't know if, uh, if that's an adjustment you can make on your end. I have it dry. Well, let me tweak here. Either way, I mean, um, well, while that's getting adjusted, I was I was uh, overjoyed and just I, I love the fact, and I know Katie's going to love this too, that you both have been playing for 38 years, which looking at the both of you comes as a wild shock to me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you all met when you were one, um, but... Um, how have you been able to play together for 38 years without killing each other? Katie and I have done like 38 episodes and we're already at each other's throats. <laughs> well, it's actually 28 and, um, 38 sounds maybe, better. Yeah, <laughs> we were one and we actually use that joke quite a bit. So yeah, <laughs> there are many a times that, um, pretty sure that we backed off of the microphone and said some foul language to each other if we were having a bad moment. So, you know, it's hard enough for two people to have a relationship. And then when you add five people and put them on a small stage and say, get along, um, you know, of course, there's going to come along with some arguments and some... Uh, what? We never argue. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of FUs back and forth on stage at some point. Yeah, we had those moments. We like to call well, those when, our Fleetwood Mac years. Fleetwood Mac years. <laughs> yeah. Well, when the conflict gets pretty crazy, do you have, uh, how would you try to manage it? Do you have any advice for the creators for when they're trying to manage their own conflict with their bandmates? Oh my gosh. Probably back in our drinking days, we would just go to the bar and have yeah. a shot with yeah. each other and say, get over your. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the diva of the group. Get over your. No. <laughs> I don't know what's your advice, Wendy. Well, I was just wondering if they have a bleep out oh. function. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have that. Oh. We're lucky. Yeah, XM we Radio is going to love us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We uh, we moved past a lot of that. I think we're to a we're into our honeymoon phase. Finally, twenty eight years later. <laughs> Maybe that's the trick: is just stay together for twenty eight years, and eventually you just run out of stuff to fight about, and then it's all good times. The yeah. great thing is musicians are terrible at marketing and the business side. We all know that this is not a any hidden secret. But the great thing is, is if you're in a band and you've been together 28 years, you've disbanded 28 times probably in those 28 years. And so it's a great marketing ploy to have a comeback special or a retirement. <laughs> or we've had um, probably more than 20 reunion gigs at yeah. least. Yeah. So. Yeah throughout the years yeah wendy i have a, a great deal of questions for you as well chief among which how do you get your hair to do that <laughs> a lot because that is amazing <laughs> it's a lot of product and a blow dryer <laughs> like it's just it, i i just i love it it's it's high altitude i feel like i could i could like break uh you know, like a stick on it. It's absolutely marvelous. <laughs> um, 
Can you, you tell us a little bit about the Women Who Rock the Rockies event? Uh, I believe it's the second annual of this event. Is this an event that you all organized or you're just part of? For years, we wanted to put together a women's um, focused uh, music festival here in the Colorado area. And there's really not for a very long time been anything like that. Um, and so last year, we were just, no, we should do it this year. We should do it. And we put the show, literally, we put the show together in less than three or four hours on one night in February. Hit up a bunch of our artist friends female-fronted bands, um, found a venue and said, this is what we want to do. Um, and it was a success. We sold out six weeks prior to the event. Um, and we started with a small event, a small venue. And then um, we are growing it this year. We're moving to a venue, the venue that's double the size. Um, we're going to bring in some bigger acts that are Colorado-based, women-fronted bands. Um, we also did it around Pride because we want that to be part of that's part of our community and, and part of who we are. And so we wanted it all focused around that. Um, and we've had great success. We're bringing in corporate sponsors this year. Um, and we just want to keep growing it every year and give um, a platform to women folk, uh, fronted artists um, here in the Katie, I love stories like this. You know, it's a it's something we see a lot with indie creators where if they feel like their particular artist or their demographic or their type of music is unrepresented in their community and they can't get gigs, they make their own gigs. We had a guest on a couple years ago who did something like that in Brooklyn. Uh, she was upset that, you know, her and her fellow LGBT fronted bands couldn't get a lot of opportunities in their area. So they created their own uh, concert event with LGBT fronted bands in Brooklyn and they all did a show together and uh, dear Marsha is another great example of this. They wanted to create an opportunity for women to make mu uh, to women to perform. And so why not, why wait for somebody to create the opportunity for us? We're going to create the opportunity for us. I mean, you got to love that, right, Katie? Yeah. And even if it's not a lack of like gigs, I feel like it's so important just to celebrate these things, like to be able to come together and just say, Hey, we're going to celebrate women. We're going to celebrate diversity. We're going to celebrate like creativity in this lens. It always just makes the experience of music so much better when there's that like celebration part of it. Absolutely. And for us too, going back to your, the whole self-care and self-worth uh, conversation from the front of your, <laughs> Ben and I have a lot of really funny comments on that, but we won't disclose this. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we've never in 28 years, we've been playing in this area. We've toured, we've traveled, we've done the whole things. We've built our own crowd. We pack a room every time we play. We sell out if we're at a tech at events and we still get like, oh, we'll pay you $600. Oh, and bring your full band. Oh, and bring your PA. No, right? And so we've started, we've kind of moved to this, right? We play with pro guys. We play with pro gear. We, we are founded and our crowd shows up and they spend a lot of money and we're worth it. We we're worth that money. So we started creating these own opportunities and doing these events and doing these shows. And I think we we're maybe kind of figuring it out finally after all these years, but uh, I hope other people see it and empower themselves too, right? Somewhere you have to break the cycle. We may not break the cycle, but we've never fit in the little clique or the group of the cool bands in town, the cool musicians. We've always just been our own thing and on the outside circle of that. So, and we just made us work harder and appreciate it better, I think. So is what I'm hearing that, you know, for, in your band's experience, you found some, a bigger financial success, not from waiting a, for a venue to pay you to play a gig, 
but rather to rent a venue and put on the event yourself. And then, you know, you get paid first and you can, you know, make sure that all of the other creatives get paid the way they deserve. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't really rent the venue, but we worked with the venue, right. And, and to put out a ticket and, and to yeah, do a yeah. ticketed sales, they staff the bar and security and sound. And then we bring all the rest of it in and it's, it's worked out well so far. We're going to, we're really working hard to do a lot more of those and a lot less show up play four hours for yeah four hour gigs yeah, yeah. difficult <laughs> i just love that because i feel like a lot of times musicians will get frustrated and even complain about you know this is the standard i live in nashville and i know a lot of musicians on broadway oh, like God. get paid garbage and it's like well yep. this is just the standard but the thing is the standard's not going to change unless we force it to change and part of doing that is just by not accepting you know, garbage pay, not just settling for that and creating our own opportunities if they don't exist beyond that, so that you can follow the wise words of Satine from Moulin Rouge and not not settle for anything less. <laughs> all I think of is stripper ones. That's all that comes to mind. Don't settle for the ones. Don't settle for the ones. Go for the hundreds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, gosh. So for the people who are going to be in the Rocky Mountain area, I assume in Colorado, and want to check out this event in June, can you tell folks a little bit more about it? Yeah, it's going to be June 23rd. Um, it's a Friday, Friday night, the Friday of Pride Weekend. Um, right now, it's one of the only women's events um, around that weekend, which we like. We like to hit that early and sell out fast, and then they can go do whatever else they want after that. Um we are working on the lineup. We had a headlining band coming in um, from New York City um, that's related to what our focus is and our mission. Um, and they had a recent date change on another contract. So now we're scrambling, but we will have somebody cool playing. We're gonna have us, we're gonna have a few other local bands um, that have great presence and, and really good music. And we all learned our lessons from last year and uh, <laughs> We will have an air-conditioned air room is, with tables. Women, that's a very good thing to have. So. <laughs> and well, food. We need food. Food. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be down in Parker at the Wild Goose Saloon. Um, we'll have tickets. Uh, as soon as we get the lineup put together, we'll have tickets available. So, yeah. Our studio is here in Miami, Florida, so you had time. me at air conditioning. Yes. Yes. It was important. <laughs> <laughs> for us well, too. I mean, we showed up for sound check last year and we're like, it's really hot in here. Like, what's good as it gets? We're like, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, if you would be so willing, I would love for the viewers and listeners to get a little bit of, of a sample of the kind of music that they might expect at this event and the kind of music that they might hear on your new album, Notes from the Tip Jar. Um, I, I've been told that you're going to be playing one of your songs, Where You Want to Be for Us, right here on the program. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. So I'll let you guys, I'll give you all a second to get set up. And again, you can find out more about our guest work by visiting DearMarsha.rocks. Here is Dear Marsha playing Where You Want to Be here on Break the Business. And I need you now more than ever. I want somehow to be your always I feel your heart right beside me one day you'll see where you want to be 
Looking your eyes makes me wanna lose myself. The sound of your voice makes my heart beat fast. If you knew what this moment means, if you knew how happy you make me, if you only knew how I long for your touch, I never thought I could love you so much. Than ever, and I want somehow to be your always, and I feel your heart right beside me. One day you'll see where you wanna be. We have been shattered, torn, and bruised, but don't be scared because I'm scared. It's worth a few of a joyous day I need you now More than ever And I want somehow To be your always I feel your heart Right beside me One day you'll see Where you wanna be Worlds collided, it's not that hard We feel at home, well I'm home too It's not so perfect, but so brand new I need you now, more than ever And I want somehow, to be your always And I feel your heart, right beside me I need you now, more than ever I want somehow to be your always And I feel your heart right beside me One day you'll see I'm where you want to be Woo. Let's see, <laughs> let's see Chad GPT do that. <laughs> Raina and Wendy of Dear Marsha playing "Where You Want to Be" here on Break the Business. That was so good. I I'm ready to just sprint over to Colorado and uh, check out this concert. What a blast! Thank you so much. Those are a really lot of fun. We have a great crowd there. We get compliments. That's probably one of the best compliments we get is our crowd. The venues always have so much great things to say about our crowd. They're just, it's fun, full of love. Everybody has a good time. And yeah, it's a good time. We've certainly had a good time. time. Yeah. Thank you, well, we, we've had a great time with you. You can find out more about our guest work by visiting dearmarsha.rocks. Before we let you go, Raina and Wendy. In fact, yes. uh, well, let's get one piece of advice from each of you here. So I'm going to ask oh, this no. question to each of you individually. It's the same question we ask every guest that comes on the show. The question is, 
do you have any last tips for the indie creators to help them move their careers forward? We'll have Raina go first. <laughs> Unless she wants to defer uh, to Wendy. I, I think I need to phone a friend, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, gosh, I think just keep at it. I mean, hit the feet running and just keep at it. What I've learned from when I started 28 years ago till now is how much more time on social media you have to do. And I know that there's a lot of musicians out there that would just do social media and never go play live. But, man, there's nothing like seeing people out there and they're looking up at you and you're playing for them and they have emotions and, you know, they're laughing or crying and they're, they're, they're understanding the words that are coming out of your mouth for the songs that you've created. So I just think keep, keep playing and play live and just um, keep doing what you love to do, even though it doesn't pay a whole lot of money. So. Great stuff. Wendy, same question. Any tips for the creators out there? In Spanish. <laughs> now we're going to have a problem. <laughs> yeah, just what Raina said, you know, stay true to yourself, stay true to what you want to do. Um, and my gosh, we've overcome a lot of hurdles, so don't let the hurdles stop you. Just listen, if you're passionate about something, you'll find a way to do it and make it happen. And it's, I'm yeah. Do it. Have fun with it. Stay true to yourself and find somebody like worth. this. Know your worth and find somebody <laughs> like this you can spend 28 years with. Oh, that warms my it's heart. It's a good thing we don't live together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so, so much for being on the show. Please come back anytime. And I'm not just saying that. I love hearing y'all play and I love hearing your wow, insight. Anytime. Thank you both for having us. Next time we'll have Zach jump on with us. There you go. Oh. Speaking of more good people, Zach Sloan. Boy, that was something, huh? That what a, what a great performance. We haven't done enough performances on this show. You were absolutely right, Katie. And when we do have one of these, oh man, the guests always bring it. I know. That was so good. And it's going to be stuck in my head for like the rest of the week. I can just tell. So great. Our guest next week is going to be Tim Gers, the CEO of marketing agency Thinkswell. Uh, I don't think he's singing, but he does have a really amazing uh, pro uh, service, and he's a really insightful uh, guest we're going to have. That's going to be an absolute blast. We have about five and a half minutes left, Katie. I have just enough time to close out with a record label horror story. Oh, dun, dun, no. dun. We need imaging for that. Like, Let's see if we can, maybe next week, if I do just a quick record label horror story to do the... Bin -a -bin -a -bin -a -bin -a -bin <laughs> So this one just came out over Twitter. A, a Brazilian artist, Anita, I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, went on a Twitter and live streaming tirade, just savaging the corrupt practices of her label, Warner Music, and just like talked about how this label is, you know, stifling her creativity, you know, messing up her career. She would do anything to get out of her deal. Uh, you see the headline there. Um, wow. I'm, so she she did all this uh, this all, everything she said she said in Portuguese. When you translate it into English, though, it is like so powerful and heart wrenching. I think there's just so much passion in the Portuguese language that it carries yeah. over even to English. So here's what she said on Twitter about w that she wants to get out of her label deal. Quote: If there was a fine to pay, I would have already auctioned off my organs, no matter how expensive it was to get out. But unfortunately, there isn't. When you're young and you still don't know a lot, 
you need to play, pay close attention to the things you sign. If you don't, you could spend a lifetime paying for the mistake. And one of the things that she talked about on a recent live stream was how her label is basically keeping her on ice and is waiting for TikTok to make one of her songs a hit before they lift a finger and do anything, right? We're hearing this story yeah. more and more with artists who are signed to label deals where the label is waiting for TikTok to make them famous before they do anything. And uh, this just seems like another one of these sad examples of that. That's really sad. And again, I mean, I feel like I say this all the time, but it's just makes me want to advocate for independent artists even more. Cause it's like, why would you, why would you want to be signed? Someone who's going to take cuts of your money just to then basically be shelved and have to do all the things that independent artists are doing on their own anyway. Like yeah. if the label's not going to support you and they're just going to say, okay, go do TikTok. Well, you could have just done TikTok by yourself and then taken all the money that you made <laughs> once you became famous. Like, I, that's that's like absurd. And somebody like you who is a active TikToker who talks about the music industry on TikTok all the time, you know better than anybody that wait for my song to become viral on TikTok is not a strategy because mm -hmm. it's basically playing the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who have gotten really lucky and have been on TikTok for 24 hours and their song pops off. But really, a lot of times when people like, go viral out of nowhere it's not out of nowhere it's after months and months even years of posting consistently before something like really catches fire and sure things can change overnight when that happens but there there's formulas there's strategies whatever but there is no surefire way to say that it's gonna just go viral and i also think i don't have the facts to back this up so take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But I think that there's probably some truth to the fact that like, if you have money to put behind TikToks to boost the post or to run ads, like that helps creators go viral or go more viral and then gain future success. So if you already have a label, but they're not willing to like put any juice behind you, again, what is the point? Like if you're gonna have to do it all organically anyway, just do it yourself. Just do it and don't bother with them. But it's so disappointing to hear that, you know, I think we kind of knew before that labels were only signing people once they've proven that they can make money. And we knew that. But now it's like, oh, why are you signing people in the first place if you're still not going to do anything with them until they've like blown up on TikTok? It just doesn't even make sense to me why they would have signed her on in the first place if they were then going to wait until XYZ happened. I've, I've heard many artists talk about how they would, you know, they want to get out of their record deals so bad. I have yet to hear until now an artist talking about being willing to give away my organs yeah, to get out of a tough. record deal. Uh, it's, it's every time I hear these things, it breaks my heart. And of course, that way, you know, look at me ending us on a happy note. My thanks yeah. to you, Katie <laughs> Zaccardi. Thanks to producer Lauren. Thanks to our marvelous and talented guests, Raina and Wendy from Dear Marsha, for joining us this week. Our thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. See you next week.